everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Join Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy, even in infertility. Hey guys, welcome back. Man, I feel like the more that I do these episodes, the two weeks in between each episode, I feel like it just gets longer and longer. So many of you guys have reached out the past couple weeks, and I am just loving hearing y'all's stories. I'm actually going to share one with you at the end of the episode, but before we do that, today I'm chatting with my friend Stephanie Rose. She's from Texas. We used to go to the same church. She's going to share with us today about how her broken past combined with the emotional and financial pressures of infertility, I'm sure you guys know what that's all about, actually led her and her husband to divorce. Not the brink of divorce, they actually divorced. But as you're going to hear, God restored their marriage and did some really awesome things with their family. Now, this is what surrender feels like. Lord, this is another part of your story for us. I completely surrender to that, and it may not give the outcome that we are hoping for once again. But at that point, he had healed so many broken places in our marriage and in our hearts. We had nothing to do but trust him. Their story is so amazing. Every time you think they hit an immovable wall, God intervenes and performed a miracle. I cannot wait for you to hear her story. So let's get to my conversation with Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad we finally made this work. Stephanie is a dear friend from our church back in Keller, and we just we just really love talking to her and hearing their story about her family. So Stephanie, why don't you start off by telling us all about your family? Um, I am married to Jared, and we have been married um, for 16 years on July 20th, coming up an anniversary. And then we have daughters, Chloe and Miley, who are 10. Harper, who is four, and I am a stay-at-home mom who spends a lot of time in the laundry room, in the car, in the kitchen. Uh, we live in Keller, Texas. Um, just yeah, yeah, traveling, traveling, doing fun stuff with these kids, raising all these girls. So you have three girls. So tell us about how that happened. Um, let me see. We married in our late twenties and um, decided right away we wanted to start a family. And I was a labor and delivery nurse at the time. I've been working in that for about five years. And we decided to start having a family right away. We were uh, listening to all those cues. It's time for a family. You're married. You're getting a little bit older. Um, so we tried to have a family for the first year of our marriage. And um, that was unsuccessful for us after a few months. So we just continued to do that in our own power and timing. And then after about a year, I was, you know, accustomed to working with women having children every day and thought, well, this is not working so well for us. And we decided to start some testing with some of my peers. Um, and then that testing went on for about a year with no results and no answers, no, no reason of why we weren't having children. So that started to get a little concerning to me as, you know, I was familiar with the what we were doing and wondered why, why was it working for us? Um, anyway, so we did testing for about a year and then after a year, um, of finding nothing, we just kind of gave ourselves a break thinking this is still going to happen. We're still going to be able to do this because this is our plan. Right. <laughs> this is what, um, I've decided it's time for this. And so this is, the, this is the way it's going to work. Um, so 
we gave ourselves a little break and then, um, it still wasn't happening after a few months. So we, I'd been encouraged by the doctors I was working with to do an exploratory surgery to, um, see if we could figure out something that might be going on that we couldn't see from just typical testing. And so I agreed to that. And, um, I just remember that day waking up from anesthesia and the doctor that I had worked with for almost seven years at that time, probably was having a conversation with my husband. His face had concern on it and I knew something was uh, not good. And so he proceeded to explain that I had a defect in both tubes that would not allow me to conceive naturally. And he had um, never seen anything quite like it. It was both tubes uh, completely occluded and he had tried to repair that and couldn't and um, that we couldn't conceive naturally. Uh, he, he was pretty devastated himself as a peer to give us that news. Oh, wow. So I just remember. How does that, how does that happen? A defect in both tubes? Um, he, the only way he could explain it was that I was born that way. Oh, wow. He thought that he said it had to be a birth defect that would cause something like that because I had no other um, medical history or any problems. Uh, no endometriosis, no scarring, no any other abnormalities with any of my other reproductive mm. systems. So, yeah. So that was big news to receive that day. And uh, we were about two and a half years into our marriage at that time. So we just took that news and went home. And um, we had family that day and some friends from church who had been praying through the first couple of years with us. And I just um, went home and I was recovering. And I just remember that day, like everybody sitting around with this grim look on their face. And uh, I think it was empathy. And I, I'm sure they were concerned for our hearts at that time. But I just, I had, I had a piece that day. And I just remember thinking, you know, this is just part of God's story. And uh, we had already been through a lot in our lives and had some things in our past that we were healing from. And I just... I don't know. I can't, I can't explain it. It was just, I was okay. I was okay. Mm. I just needed an answer at that time. Yeah. But still, you know, I still was um, young enough and immature in my walk of faith with the Lord that thinking he's promised good and, and this is going to happen. This is good. <laughs> you know, this is still my hope, my dream. And so it's going to happen. Um, yeah. So we're about um, two years after that, I guess we continue to just pray for over the next year. Um, I continue to work in labor and delivery, which is very, very challenging okay. as someone going through infertility every day, a patient asking, how many children do you have? Or when are you going to become a mom? And that was, um, very challenging for me as a, as a woman and desiring to have children, I guess about two years into, after the surgery, um, Jared had a job that required him to travel a lot. So he was gone most of the week and I would be home alone. And tried to, tried to stay focused, tried to, um, continue to just put one foot forward every day and, and be a wife and be a friend and serve at our church. And I remember I started like Bible study, just like crazy, just trying to soak up God's word and grow in my faith and, we, I would be at home alone a lot. And so just that pressure of feeling like you needed to be a mom or to be who everybody was saying I needed to be as a wife and start a family and that not happening was, was a lot of pressure. 
So I just remember thinking, um, there's got to be a reason. There's got to be something that I'm not doing or something I need to do different for the Lord. Mm. And so I started to live in a lot of um, insecurity and a lot of fear and a lot of um, guilt and shame from a broken past, from a, a lot of things I'd done in my um, young 20s. And so I started to hear a lot of lies about who I was uh, as a, a person. And fear overcame and a lot of insecurity. And um, I was spending time with the Lord, but I was very immature in my walk with the Lord. So I still was in a mentality of it, it's something I've done. It's something I need to do. It's something I'm not doing. Um, and then just believing those lies that I was broken and that it was a defect or something that God was holding against me for something I had failed in. And the whole time, what I didn't understand was that the Lord was healing my heart and allowing me to be in that wilderness with him alone, even without Jared, when Jared was at work. And during that time, he was healing broken places that I couldn't see. But because of his broad perspective of my life, he knew that I needed to be healed before becoming a mom. So um, during that time, I was gaining a lot of freedom, even though it felt like um, I was a prisoner of a broken dream or a broken hope. Um, I was gaining freedom in him from things that I needed to be healed from. We were, we were praying for... Um, a closer relationship with him and what we didn't realize. And we were very involved in our church at the time. We were serving in a children's ministry. We were both leading um, little children who were from a community of broken homes. And God was doing a mighty work in our hearts and uh, through our service. And we didn't understand at the time in our immaturity of walk with him that we were fighting a spiritual battle. Um, God was redeeming and restoring and, um, we were fighting against our enemy and we didn't realize that at the time. So our marriage started to really suffer because um, we had expectations for each other in a new marriage. And as a woman, I was putting expectations on Jared to fulfill that dream of becoming a mom. And even the doctors and friends who were praying, you know, you just, you place that expectation on them to fulfill what God has promised for you. And they can't achieve, they can't achieve that for you. Only he can. Mm-hmm. And so when that tension starts to build up uh, in your relationship and then the financial strain comes in from uh, trying to make it happen in your own will and your own power, um, just a lot of anger and tension and the lies. And yeah, we just started to, we started to fall apart. And we did. We completely fell apart. And how long were y'all married at this point? We had been married, um, probably about two, almost three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, right, right at three years. And um, yeah, it just um, it became very difficult for us to communicate with each other, and him being away, and and me building up a wall between 
each other um, with him being away. And he and I didn't share. I didn't share the things I was dealing with in my heart, the lies that I was being told by my enemy that you know I was um, broken and even even that he deserved better, <laughs> that he deserved someone to have children with, and uh, constantly just building walls and, and dividing us. Mm-hmm. And so with that over time, about uh, probably about a, six months to a year within that, we completely fell apart. Our marriage um, suffered, and we filed for divorce. And neither one of us knew why other than just we we were very angry with one another and we couldn't couldn't fix it and we had gone to counseling with our local pastor and he had tried to steward us and give us direction and I think I was just I was just so broken and divided yeah I just got to a point of this is I'm once again taking control this is my way of fixing it I can't fix the inability to have kids. I can't fix our marriage. So this is my way. Once again, I've taken the wheel and saying, this is how we're going to fix this. And it was was ridiculous, (laughs) ridiculous to think that we allowed it to get to that point, but it did. And so, um, about six to eight weeks after we had filed, I went to a counselor on my own to receive counseling for the divorce, the infertility and sat down for the first time with someone who was, uh, didn't have an opinion either way (laughs) and just helped me work through a lot of things that I had been dealing with, Mm -hmm. um, from my past. Yeah. So the healing started there. Um, and I, I, once I, he started replacing the lies that I'd been believing for so many months with God's truth of who I was and what he had done for me. Um, I started to see things with a different perspective, his perspective. And so Jared started to attend counseling with me. And I know this is, we're going everywhere with this. It's random, but. It is the whole story. And I'm just, that's the only way I noticed to lay it out. He started to attend counseling with me and God just brought us back together. And how did, how did he start attending counseling with you? Like, I, I called him. I'm like, look, I have started this counseling and it has opened my heart, my eyes to see things that we weren't seeing and we weren't being taught and we didn't know. And I really think you'd benefit from it too, because we were both so broken at that time. Like he was, he was so shocked that I had gotten to a point of filing for divorce without him even knowing it was coming. Oh, wow. It pretty much blindsided him. Um, and so he was just broken and he, he was willing, he would just had a humble, broken spirit enough that he would come mm-hmm. and he did. And through anger, we sat in a room, you know, fighting it out and angry with each other and then crying with each other. And over a, a few weeks, we just, God just, he just changed our hearts uh, uh, toward each other and toward the situation. And we realized that we'd made a huge mistake. And we were able to annul the divorce because it, if you file for divorce and then you try to restore it within a year's time, you can just annul it. So it's erased. Oh, wow. So how long had it been since you guys had divorced? We divorced in August. We uh, annulled the divorce in November. Oh, wow. 
So the attorney was like, this is erased from the court records. Like nobody has record of it. Uh, Man doesn't have record of it. God certainly has erased it. So it's as if it didn't happen. So we were restored by December and we renewed our vows in December of that year. Um, So yeah. So then we just tried to focus on our relationship with the Lord and what he needed to do to heal our marriage and he redeemed it very quickly. We were stronger than we were before. Um, and then we just started to pour our lives out in service um, to the children's ministry we'd been working in. And so we just started loving on those kids like they were ours and kind of let it go and um, just decided that, you know, his he, he was going to work things out, whether no matter what it looked like. Um, and so we started to even consider adoption. And in February, after we renewed our vows in December, um, we started to consider adoption. And we were in prayer about it. And we started to just kind of see all the avenues and options we had for having children in a different way than what we had expected. And then the a friend of ours who was dealing in fertility, too, with, they had had five miscarriages and had adopted a little boy. But they had also... Um, visited with a fertility specialist that was a Christian and they were unsuccessful, but we thought, well, maybe we should give it a try. And so we went to visit him and just talk with him to see if there was an option. And with the anatomy I had, my uterus was perfectly healthy. So he advised us that we would probably have a very high success rate with in vitro. Mm So we prayed about it again <laughs> and decided to wait a few months because financially it was just so so taxing. And then also to jump right into something um, so quickly after all we'd gone through, it was a little scary. Mm. Um, we were afraid to go down the same path again. But we prayed and we really felt led to proceed with it. And so we started that process in June of that year and then um, just very successful very uh, easy for us and I know that's so hard for so many sometimes I don't even want to say it that way but I truly feel like it it was God's path for us it's not that way for everybody I I know that but for us we we prayed we would take a step forward and he would open the door or if it was something we didn't need to do the door would be closed Um, and so the doors just kept opening down that path toward that physician and the procedure went very smoothly. And by August, um, we were expecting twins. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and everything that we needed was provided and we just knew his hand was all over it. Um, so I remember just, um, the day of, uh, implantation and transfer when we pulled away from the doctor's office, um, and I was still coming out of some anesthesia and I was laying flat in a car seat driving away and thinking, you know, this is what surrender feels like. Lord, this is another part of your story for us. And I completely surrender to that. And it may not give the outcome that we are hoping for once again. But at that point, he had healed so many broken places in our marriage and in our hearts. We had nothing to do but trust him. So, yeah, within two weeks, um, we do the blood testing, and then we get a phone call from the hospital that I had worked at and had seen 
so many tests come back <laughs> negative and with the answers that we didn't want. And then we finally, finally got the phone call that we were pregnant. Wow. So, yeah. And then fast and then, forward, how many years? Oh, so, yeah, we had the girls and then just five years of living and raising them. And, were you done? Uh, were you done? Um, I thought we were done because, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to uh, go through in vitro again. And the, the one of the things within our procedure was uh, sometimes you'll have the embryos to make a decision to keep, donate. Um, and then that we got a call two days after uh, implantation that none of those had survived. Oh. So we had nothing, we had nothing but the two that were in my womb. Oh, wow. And that was before uh, you found out they took Yes. Oh, wow. That was the nurse called and explained to us, you have no surviving embryos and the healthiest place for the, any that you have surviving is where they are, is in your womb. So we just, um, yeah, I remember crying, but Jared was saying that he's placed them where he, he needs them to be. (laughs) They're in, they're in your womb. He's, He's, we've put them in his hands. He's put them within your body and that's where they are meant to be. So, and then when we got the call that, that, you know, both of them had survived. So yeah, it was, that was uh, very cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, five years and thinking we're done, we had none left, um, over and then just, yeah, we were done. So just raising them and we had a major relocation one year after they were born to a different state. And so we were just living life and, uh, growing in our faith and, we had started a church that was just our wisdom and our knowledge of our relationship with Christ and really to be able to step back and see what he had done in the, in our marriage and in our family. Um, just, we just started to just love him, just love him through worship and praise and, um, living out our testimony and sharing that with others and growing and teaching these gifts that he'd given us to love him as much as we did and so yeah we just were done we were done having children we thought we're gonna raise these girls to love Jesus and um I just yes I started to run half marathons I think as a form of praise and worship because I would spend my days training and running and just praising him for all he'd done and my body had become healthier than it had ever been um and we were getting ready to relocate to Texas. Jared had received the news that he was going to get a job at transfer to here in Fort Worth. And I went for just a normal checkup. Yeah, just going in for my annual health screening and discovered that I was pregnant. <laughs> it was the craziest thing. Yeah, I went in and they were just like, um, yeah. Do you I tell them to double to check? Do this. <laughs> right? <laughs> She, she actually did. We did the, the pregnancy test and it was negative at first because they just, they just did that because of not being an annual health screening. They tested before. And then she turned around to throw the cup in the trash with the test in it. And she goes, oh my gosh, this is positive. And I'm like, what? And I mean, just, he was sitting in the car. We were going to downsize our vehicle. Um, because we had a huge vehicle and we were like, there's four of us. We don't need a car this big. We're moving. So we were going to downsize our car that day. So poor Jared was sitting in the car with no idea. (laughs) I had no idea. There were no symptoms. There were no, I was tired, but I was training, training for races. So yeah. 
It was pretty crazy. Did they ever did they ever go in and check like did your tubes open up? <laughs> you know, we we never um reassessed that whole situation. Um we didn't know how she got in there, but she did and <laughs> um yeah. So crazy. no and it, it was crazy. So yeah, so Harper came along and surprised us. And that's a whole nother faith journey. It you, is a whole. Do you want to share that just for a, a couple <laughs> minutes? Because I feel like that's such yeah. a crucial part of y'all's story. It really is. And so, yeah, five years of infertility after the girls again. And then Harper came along. And at around 20 weeks, her diagnosis through an ultrasound was major abnormalities of kidneys, of brain, of spinal cord. And the shock again, an awe of. Um, that diagnosis, I was like, what are you doing, Lord? I mean, infertility, having to do IVF to receive children, and then Harper coming along as a miracle of pregnancy, and then this. It was it was surreal. And so, yeah, that diagnosis came around 20 weeks. And then we spent the rest of the pregnancy through testing and um moving. I'm relocated to Texas right after that diagnosis and then getting here. And we, once again, we're in the hospital with new doctors and our marriage being tested because of the pressure and the stress of, you know, not now, not getting pregnant, but being pregnant. Um, and the pregnancy itself being, um, yeah, hard and difficult and received another MRI here in Texas that revealed that she was perfectly healthy aside from one deformed kidney and that she would be a thriving little girl. Did the first diagnosis, did they encourage you to abort? They did. Um, yes, we were um, encouraged to abort that day, actually, that oh, she that would day. not that day that she would not survive pregnancy more than a few hours. So they encouraged us to do that. And of course we shared um, our faith and that we would trust her to the Lord because he had brought her and she was his and we would see what plan he had for her. And obviously it was a big one. And so she was born uh, perfectly healthy aside from that one um, left kidney. And when the NICU team was there, they just, they, there were a whole team of doctors waiting to assess her, and they just walked out of the delivery room. Oh, wow. <laughs> She's fine. She's fine. So, so no NICU time at all? No NICU she time. None at all. Normal time. She went home oh, within um, 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We, we did just um, have her kidney removed in April. So she, uh, but other than that, is she's that, perfect. Is that going to be permanent? Like, will she have issues going forward? She has a perfectly healthy right kidney, which compensated um, in growth for the left already before they even removed it. Mm-hmm. So she will not have any complications as long as that right kidney stays healthy. Wow. wow, wow. And so how long have you guys been married? I know you said earlier. It'll be 16, 16 years on July 20th. Years. And at mm-hmm. three years, you guys almost threw in the towel. We did. Wow. We did throw in the towel. Yeah, you did. The Lord. (laughs) God did not. We did. (laughs) I know so many, so many stories you hear of women walking through this and um, they just start sharing how their husbands are not on board or um, 
just not not dealing well with the strain and then it, obviously it plays a role with the women as well how what would you say to the ladies or men, even men listening that this is playing a major role on their marriage like it's it's really they're really getting to the their wits end hmm. um i would say just focus on um your time and your daily time with the lord that was um, the big issue for both of us as we were so young in our spiritual walk with Christ. We didn't understand the importance of daily time in his word, um, reading his promises, um, letting him sow roots into our hearts of his truth um, so that we had the power of the spirit to overcome the fear and the lies and the pressure and the tension uh, and just trying to become who he has designed you to be um, for his purposes and not your own. Um, you know, we, we question, were we praying the right thing? Were we doing the right things? And doing the right thing means spending time with him and growing to become more like him daily. And in doing that, he brings wholeness um, to those places that we feel are broken because of not being a parent. Um, and, you know, we pursue a lot of things. We pursue um, our callings. We pursue being parents. Uh, we pursue money in search of wholeness. And that wholeness can only come from him uh, and being in relationship with him and becoming more like him. So that was um, the biggest uh, lack that we had was our daily walk with Christ. I know you mentioned earlier that you were spending time with God daily because that was what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is the switch? Because that's you said also that's the kind of what you guys did to heal your marriage. So what was the difference between spending time with Him before and how you do it now? Um, I think it was a checklist. Mm-hmm. I think it was um, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what. Um, we were, we were attending a church, we were serving, but our hearts weren't invested. So I think that um, personal investment of seeking him out and seeking him out for the person purpose of knowing him and not for what he can give us, mm-hmm. um, not let it be a checklist. We have to uh, develop that personal relationship with him primarily for the sake of knowing who he is. Yeah, that's... That's it. That's that. It, I would say that sums up our our walk in, with infertility is tr- knowing him and trusting him and loving him for who he is and not what he can give and seeking mm-hmm. him and t- that time with him, not so that he can. Oh, she's such a good daughter. I'm going to give her a child. That's not right. what it's about. Um, and I felt like I believed that for a lot of years. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. So did Jared feel a lot of guilt and shame? I know before, just going back before the divorce was, how did he process through the infertility? Um, you know, they're hard. I feel like our husbands are hardwired to rescue and to fix, fix things. <laughs> and so I think that as a new husband and um, he just wanted to rescue me and he wanted to, to fix it and, I feel like um, he, you know, we all have our own um, journey to take. And I really feel like he just was on his own personal journey to be healed. Um, he, he also felt like it was lacking in prayer or something he needed to do or something that he had in his own strength to do. And it was truly just 
the only person who could rescue us was Christ. And so I feel like he was on his own personal journey um, to realize that Christ was needed to be first and foremost in his heart and his life. So what do you guys tell your girls now? Do they, your older girls, do they know the story? They do. Um, We just started sharing more and more with them as they are getting older because they hear so much about the story of their little sister. Mm -hmm. And I just realized this year that, you know, they were turning 10 and I was like, you guys are where our first miracles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I want you to realize how big that is, that um, God had a big plan for your life as well. And our story, and he's going to use your story to reach others. And so even this interview today, they were like, is this about Harper? <sighs> and I was like, no, this is actually about you <laughs> and the journey that God brought us on to get you here. <laughs> That's so powerful. So we just teach them to love him and seek him for um, his plans for their life, too. So when they're listening to this, they'll be able to hear that story. (laughs) That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So cool. So can you figure out, can you think back to the single most powerful revelation you had about God through your entire journey from early marriage to labor and delivery nurse while you're Mm -hmm. dealing with infertility, divorce? All of those things. I think the biggest um, biggest thing I've learned is that um, I had so we were praying for physical healing um, through this whole process, and you know, even as a young person, you're praying for God's best for your life, or um, praying for God's direction on decisions that you make, and you pray for Him to give you direction and wisdom. But I think the biggest thing I needed was um, healing in my heart. And while I was pursuing my hopes and dreams that he had for me, he was pursuing my heart so that I would uh, become whole in knowing who him. So outside of um, receiving you know, the things that I wanted or desired or hoped for, my hope was being found in wholeness in him. So I just grabbed on to um, a verse, which was, it's a common Jeremiah 29, 11, his plans to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me hope in the future. I had no idea what that future looked like. Um, he did. And I didn't know the, the future part of that verse was uncertain to me, but he was faithful to give me the hope part. So I just stood on that hope that it was good and it was to prosper me and he wouldn't abandon me. and. Um, the message version of that says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. So the future that I hoped for was the future that he had planned for me. And that was a relationship with him, a deep, deep relationship and wisdom and knowledge of him. So that is, um, I think, what I see out of the journey that I took was uh, I became closer to Christ and I'm daily becoming more like him because um, of the brokenness that I've gone through and the healing and redemption that he's brought. So year one, would you say your hope was something different than that? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, my hope was to, um, I think my, my hope <laughs> was to become a mom, to um, have this big calling, Um or have a, this big purpose in life. And I, I do have a big purpose in life, but it doesn't necessarily look like um, what I thought it should. Um, it's to serve and lead my children that he's given me to him. Um, 
so I think my hope that he had was the hope that I have in him um, alone. My hope is just the my heavenly hope. <laughs> my hope that no matter what life looks like here on earth, um, he has a beautiful, perfect plan that will be fulfilled in his perfect timing and way. I had one of my guests ask me, um, we were just kind of having a pre-interview conversation, and she said, has your hope changed through this journey? And I feel like that's a really powerful wow. question because – yeah, I think in the beginning, my hope was like yours. I wanted to be a mom. I hope uh, My hope is that God's going to just give that to me because he's good. And I think towards the end, it started to change to my hope is no matter whether that happens or not, my hope is still in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and we, think, we think that that's going to make us look or feel whole. Mm-hmm. And that's what we hope for is that we hope that our being a mom is going to make us feel whole or we hope that our calling is going to make us feel whole but our hope is in his uh, perfect plan and divine purpose in using whatever he has asked us to go through um, to bring glory to him man i think back about their story being told your tubes are defective probably since birth then divorcing your husband because the stress is just so much Getting back together, but then after spending all this money on IVF, being told that you've lost all your embryos except the two that's inside, and there's no guarantee that those are going to actually become babies, then having a miracle pregnancy, but being told that child won't survive birth. That is a lot for one family to endure. But like Stephanie said, she believes it was God's perfect plan for her family, and her goal is to use whatever she faces to bring glory to Him. And I love how she's doing that. And I do want to add, because I never know who might be listening, if you're sitting there and saying, yeah, I I come from a broken marriage, but God didn't allow a miracle for me. He didn't restore my marriage. I just want to say, I know in churches we celebrate restored marriages, and we should. It's a miracle, and God will use it to bring Him glory and to restore other marriages. But I also want to acknowledge that God isn't through with you if your marriage wasn't restored. You aren't excluded from bringing Him glory in all circumstances just because your marriage wasn't the miracle that you prayed for. Just like with infertility, God loves you, He sees you, and there will be beauty born from your journey. Like I said, I wanted to share a story that I read this week from a girl named Hannah. She wrote to me through our website, joininfertility.com, and she wrote to thank me for the podcast and to share her story with me, but she closed with this. I recently wrote these words in my journal. I feel like less of a woman, inadequate, unequipped, unworthy, broken, and alone. Paul speaks a lot in Romans about sharing in Christ's suffering and the pain of this world. And she quotes this scripture, His grace is sufficient for me and His power is made perfect in my weakness. I know that He is for me. He will never forsake me even in my weakness. He is daily reminding me who He is and writes this truth on my heart. My place in infertility may never be removed, but He is still faithful. Hannah, thank you so much for sharing your story with me, and I love your perspective. And I hope this interview spoke to some of those places that you talked to me about. Friends, keep writing me. I love to read how God is using this podcast to speak to your heart. And as always, keep sharing and reviewing. We're reaching women all across the world who are facing this road. Many feel like they are alone until they hear these stories. Until next time, 
Have a great week. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joint Infertility Podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you. He sees your heart. He loves you and he is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.